Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23 is where we're going to turn our Bibles today. I want to ask you how many of us here today have large portions of our lives that we just look back on those parts of our lives and we think, what was I thinking? I cannot believe that I was so blind. I mean, it might be a relationship that you wish... You know, that, that just, I wish that had never happened. It might be a career track that you took that looking back now seems like that was such a waste of time. Maybe there's some other choices or decisions that hurt you or that set you back or maybe that brought about difficulty for the people that you love, maybe for your parents or for a spouse or maybe for your children. And now as you look back, you feel so foolish to have done that. You feel kind of dumb to have not seen things more clearly. The reality is, though, that that is part of our experience as human beings. There are things that we cannot see. There are things that might hurt us, and we don't realize we should avoid those things. There are things that might be good for us, but we just don't see it at the time. You know, sometimes it's not even us, though. We see a loved one, maybe you've got a brother or a daughter or a son or a friend or somebody, and, and you just look, and certainly we can't judge someone else's life, and we can't make decisions and be the, uh, you know, the final decision about what's right and wrong for somebody and the discerner of God's will for their life, but yet we see their life and we just, we just see that they're not quite seeing things clearly. Isn't that a helpless feeling? When somebody you love is not realizing the implications of a decision that they're making, Well, the Apostle Paul must have experienced this many times in his ministry to other people. He traveled all over the then known world sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and helping people to come to a personal relationship with God and trying to help those people start a a church in their own area so they could continue growing together in their relationship with Christ. How many times do you think he saw those new believers messing up How many times do you think he saw them missing out on what God had for them? How much do you think his heart must have broken when he saw all that God wanted to do and could do in those people's lives, but sometimes, for whatever reason, they just weren't getting it. They just weren't seeing what God wanted to do. So many times he did the only thing he could do. He prayed about it. (laughs) He prayed about it. He prayed for them. You know, we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 together, and we've seen Paul share with the Ephesians some of the incredible things that God wanted to bless them with, that God had already given to them and wanted to bestow upon them and wanted them to experience. But, but, but like you may have experienced with the people you love, sometimes words, sometimes information is not enough, is it? Just because you tell somebody the truth doesn't mean that right now they're going to experience it. Or they're going to receive it. Sometimes we just need to wait for God to work on their hearts. You see, in order for us to experience what God wants to do in our lives, God is going to have to do something in our hearts. He is the one who's going to have to show us as individuals that this is the truth. And Paul realized that, so he prayed for them. Well, today we're going to look at that prayer, and we're going to ask God to teach us about praying for eyes to be opened. Praying for eyes to be open. I believe that's what this prayer of Paul is all about. And we're going to look at verses 15 through 23. Let's start out by reading verses 15 through 18 together. 
Paul says in verse 15, For this reason I too, we're going to go back and talk about what he's talking about there, but for this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And we're going to stop there for just a moment. Some people have suggested that Ephesians chapter 1 be broken down as praise and prayer. Isn't that what we've been studying in verses, really verses 3 through 14? The first part of Ephesians chapter 1 is praise. Paul is just starting out with praise. Look at all that God has done for us. And now he moves to the prayer part. In verses 15 through 16, we find out that this Ephesian church, these people were a good church. They were good people. And they had a good relationship between themselves and the Apostle Paul. This church, the church at Ephesus, was known all over as a church of faith. They were known as a church that trusted God personally in their own lives and as a group. Wouldn't it be great if we as individuals or we as a church so walked with God that people all over the world who follow Christ would look to us and say, you know what? I hope that I can trust Jesus like those people trust God. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's the way the Ephesians were known. This church was also known for its love. Now, there's always been people who want to de-emphasize church. I don't have to have a church. I don't have to be a part of a church. But this group of people realized how precious God's people are to Almighty God. And they loved one another, and they helped one another, and they were known for that love in ministering to one another and caring for one another as a family. Paul said that because of that, he thought of them. He prayed for them, and he thanked God very often for their lives. But in verses 17 through 18, we also find out that because he loved them so much, though they were doing so well in so many ways, he said, listen, guys, yeah, you're experiencing so much about God. You're trusting in him in so many ways. You're loving him, and you're ministering to one another. And you almost would just say, good job. And he did, didn't he? But he said, you know what? God wants you to experience so much more. God has already given to you so much that you just don't quite yet realize. He uses several different terms to describe that prayer that he has for them. He talks about um, in verse uh, 17, he says, his prayer was that God would give them a spirit uh, of wisdom. That word wisdom carried the idea of broad and full intelligence. And, and that God will give them revelation. We, we talked about that. We sang that. One of the songs was just saying that, that the unveiling, God unveils things to us. He prayed that God would help to uncover things for them that they didn't realize. And he talks about the knowledge of God. That word knowledge meant true knowledge. It meant thorough knowledge. What was Paul trying to say? He says, I want you to have a full and unveiled understanding and a thorough knowledge of all that God is and all that he wants to do in your life. And then he says that the, that the eyes of your heart, I like that imagery, that the eyes of your heart, what's he talking about? He's talking about seeing, isn't he? That the eyes of your heart would notice, would see, would be enlightened. It's more than, it was more than a mind thing. So many of us take being a Christian as, a, as just a, a belief of facts, but that's not what it is. It's a heart issue. It involves the mind. But he said, I pray that your heart could see, 
that your heart could be enlightened as if they were in the dark about some things so that you will know something. And that word know, again, means to see. It's clear in these verses, Paul's trying to say, I want you to experience everything that God wants to do in your life, and I just want you to be able to see that. My hope, Paul was saying, is that you would understand more and you would experience more of God, that your eyes would be open. There were several things that were his prayer that he desperately just wanted these people to be able to see and to experience. The first thing that he prayed for, that he wanted for their eyes, was to be open to God's hope. He wanted their eyes to be open to the hope that God had provided for them. He says, I pray in verse 18 that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that the, that the lights could come on so that you will know, you will see what is the hope of his calling. It's not very hard for us to get down in life, is it? It's not very hard for the events of our week or for the circumstances that we face to get us down and to make us depressed, to make us wonder are we really going anywhere in life? Or to make us think, is my life really of any significance? Now, I want to ask you a question. How often do you hear God speak to you clearly in church on Sunday? I mean, you're refreshed and you're renewed and you're refilled and, and, and maybe hang on to that all day Sunday and then on into Monday there's a little bit of that, but by Tuesday it's becoming a faded memory and by Wednesday you've forgotten about it and by Thursday, Friday, you're just hanging on because you remember a faint memory that, that there's something that happens on Sunday that might be helpful, and you make it to Saturday, and you, you try to rest up a little bit, and then Sunday, you're refreshed again, and then you start all over again. You know what the problem with that is? You and I are experiencing one full day of God's hope. At the most, a part of a second day. But Paul told them, when you become a child of God, the God of the universe has called you. And there is great hope in that. Hope that God desires for us to experience more of. You know, sometimes, though I don't really ever get tired of the work of the Lord, I do get tired in the work of the Lord. And you can lose your perspective, can't you? You can start to feel pretty rotten sometimes. That's when we need to experience the hope of God's calling. Do you realize what has changed since God called you to come and to follow Him? And you said yes to that call. Do you realize? Do you remember on that Wednesday when you've forgotten there's something that happened on Sunday that was positive, but I don't have the faintest notion of what that was. I can't recollect that. Well, let me just remind you, if you're a child of God, if you've trusted in Him, your sins have been forgiven. Your life has been cleansed. I hope that I never get casual about that. I hope that I never just get ho-hum about that. Did you know you have the Spirit of the living God living in you? Did you know you have direction in life? Did, did, you, did you know you're growing? Every day you're growing? You're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ? And though you may wish it were more, haven't you noticed? God is at least beginning to use your life to impact the lives of others. And even though it doesn't make sense sometimes, you know, don't you? I mean, if you really sat down and thought about it, if you were reminded of that hope that you, heard, that you heard about on Sunday and that started to fade away a little bit on Monday, even though it doesn't make sense sometimes, you know how this story is going to end. 
you know that the one that you are following is Lord and master of the universe and that you are on the winning team. You know that you're going to heaven one day when all of this wraps up. Because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, friend, I want to remind you, you have been given great hope, the hope of the calling of Almighty God. I think the uh, experience of the Ephesians is helpful for us as Christians. You see, if you would just mark down Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 and 4, 2 through 4, you can go back and read that passage. But we know that the church at Ephesus was a hard-working church. But unfortunately, they seem to have a propensity for knowing about God, but losing their focus on developing a daily, personal love relationship with God. So I want to speak to you today if that's you. If you're prone to serving God, but not seeking Him. If you're prone to learning about God, but not growing in a relationship with Christ, you have probably experienced what the Ephesians sometimes seem to to have experienced. And that can cause you and me very quickly to lose sight of the hope that we have in Him, can it? So I want to ask you a question this morning. Did God bring you here today because He's calling you back to a close, intimate, personal relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ? Is He calling you back into intimacy with Him? Is He calling you to a place where you have hope because you on a daily basis have a clear understanding of God's call in your life? You see, we live in a world where there's not much real hope that it's offered. Amen? Someone has said this, Our culture offers no basis for hope. Meaninglessness, we know. Hope, we do not. For all of its advantages, our society is frayed and has problems so enormous, we have given up on solving them. Crime, poverty, racism, terrorism, and various other things threaten to undo us. The elderly read the obituaries first. The young many times have lost a sense of hope of ever making a difference or of ever becoming successful, and their music is one indication of it. Middle-aged people are bored with no real sense of direction. This loss of hope for the present is is based on a loss of hope for the future. Even in New Testament times, there was a common epitaph that people put on their graves. Here was the epitaph. I was not. I was I am not. I don't care. Well, that's exciting. That's a great summary of my life. One time I used to not be here. Then for a while I was. Now I'm not. Who cares? But if you have no hope, what else would you say? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, that we do not grieve over the disappointments of this world as the rest of the world does without hope. God's calling in our lives gives us reason for tremendous hope. And we have access to that hope. If only today our eyes could be open to it. And that's what Paul prayed for them. And I believe that that's what God wants for you and for me to experience today is the hope of His calling. It is right there for us. He just wants us to see it and to experience it in our lives. But also, He wanted them to experience something else. He prayed that their eyes would be open to God's riches. In verse 18, the second part of that verse, or the last part of that verse, says this. He says, My prayer, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know God's hope, what is the hope of His calling, but also what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Now, Paul in Ephesians, is sometimes it's hard to preach and teach. I mean, he puts so many words in there, it's hard to break it all down. 
But basically, he's saying, I want you to be open to God's riches. I want you to think about this question for just a moment. I want you to think about this. If money were no object, what would you attempt for God? You ever thought about that? If money were no object, what would you attempt for God? Now, don't get me wrong. I know that money most definitely is a factor in our lives. And wise living, God's Word tells us, involves considering money and and not ignoring it. But I want to tell you something. If you and I knew all the resources that we have available to us in Christ, we would start living different starting right now. Not that we'd go on a, a spending spree with no regard for how much it costs, But I share that with you to expose this. There are some things that God is wanting to do in my life and through your life that you might even know in your heart that He wants you to do, but you are limiting Him because of money. Or should I say, the lack of. (laughs) Amen. You are trying to do God's will in your own resources. And I don't know about you, but mine are pretty small, amen? These verses tells us, tell us that God wants us to start living our lives. This is awesome. He wants to start living our lives in light of the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Another mouthful. What does that mean? Here's what I believe He's saying. If you could see the inheritance that God, and remember that word means portion. If you could see your portion that God has waiting for you in heaven. We talked about that last time. Listen, there would be such a tremendous glow from your portion that you could get rich just off the glow of it, just off the glory of it. Isn't that awesome? Is it possible that you and I have everything that we need to do God's work and God's will right now, but we are just not using it? Maybe because we just didn't see it. William Randolph Hearst was a wealthy newspaper publisher, and he invested a fortune in collecting treasures and works of art. One time he found out about a painting that he just decided he just had to have that painting. And so he sent one of his employees on a worldwide search, and he took took a long time to look out and to find out where is this painting, because whatever it costs, Mr. Hearst wants to buy this painting. After it was all said and done, his employee told him, I found the painting. It's in one of your warehouses. All that time, all that money, all that searching, he just didn't know he already had the painting. I want you to listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 is a verse that is often used to speak about heaven. Now, it does apply to heaven, but I believe the application of 1 Corinthians 2, 9 actually is more specific to the context of what we're talking about here. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this. Now listen, just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. My goodness. You have not even seen the likes of what God can do. (laughs) You haven't ever heard tell of anybody having experienced, that's my little Southern, (laughs) heard tell of, all right? You haven't even heard 
what God can do. You've, you've heard some great stories about what God's done in people's lives, but the Bible says you haven't even heard the half of what God can do. In fact, you haven't even begun to think about, and I can think about a lot, amen? When I think about what God's doing in my life and a new hope, I say, Lord, I can think about a lot. So if you can do more than what I can think of, man, you don't even know. God wants us to experience and to see the hope of His calling, but He wants us to understand the riches that He has given to us. The, first, the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that in order to experience that, though, we're going to need for God to show it to us. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I want to encourage you to go back and read that, but basically that's the gist of it. God wants to do so much, but you and I will never experience it unless He shows it to us, unless He gives it to us. Recently, a couple in our church decided that it was God's will for them to adopt a precious little girl from China. They thought about it. They prayed about it. They sought wise counsel. They've been doing everything they could to prepare themselves, including financially, trying to do all they could to figure out how they could pay for all that to happen. But they knew from the get-go, all along they knew, that there was no way that they would be able to do it. They knew going into it that God was going to have to provide for them if this were going to happen. Well, this week, He did. God provided all that they need to adopt that little girl from China. Praise His name. Now, what if they had decided to limit God because of a lack of resources? What if they had looked at their bank account and said, we can't afford that? They would have never even started filling out the papers, would they? I wonder what it is that God is calling you and me to do in our lives. But the primary hindrance to that, the thing that's holding you back, is money. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, faithful is he who calls you, and he, who? He will bring it to pass. I want to tell you something, church family. From the beginning, we have said that we want to be a church that walks by faith. I want to challenge us as a group, as we do God's work together, I want to challenge you in your own home. Start living like God has your back. Now again, don't do it presumptuously. Don't go out and do whatever you want to do and expect God to pay for it. See the difference? Faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. If he didn't call you, he's not bringing it to pass. So if you go charge it up on a credit card and say, Hey God, you got my back, right? He says, I didn't go over there. I didn't call you over there. The promise doesn't work over there. But ask him what he wants you to do. And then do it. Trust that he will provide for it. Listen, from the glow of your inheritance. I mean, the riches off the glow of it is enough to take care of you from now till you get to glory with him. If our eyes could only be open, open to see the glory of our inheritance in heaven and to see how much it contains for us, there is no telling what we would trust God to do in our lives. We need our eyes to be open, don't we? We need our eyes to be open to hope. God, in the middle of this week, I need for you to show me that my life is worth living, that you have called me, that I'm headed somewhere, that my life is meaningful, that it is making a difference. 
God, I need you to show me that you have resources beyond myself because I just don't have the resources. I don't have the riches, the finances, whatever it is to do what you want me to do. But thirdly, we need God to open our eyes to his power. I don't even like saying that because that ain't even strong enough. Open to his power. You know, just words don't do justice to what we're going to talk about here. Verses 19 through 23. Let's read verses 19. It says, and, and I want you to know what is the surpassing greatness. Now, here again is Paul. He's trying to put into words God stuff. All right? And he's trying to find every word he can use to get it across to us. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenlies, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which, by the way, is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, after all that we've uncovered in these verses so far, it almost seems like it just couldn't get any better. But the way the wording is here, what we've talked about is just a warm-up. What we're going to look at in these verses is really the climax or the high point of what God is wanting to say to us. We do not realize how much power we are dealing with when we are dealing with Almighty God. A few months ago, I was working on our kitchen floor. And we got to a point where there was an electrical piece on the baseboard. And we needed to do something about that, that piece of equipment. We needed to move it. We needed to thread the wires through this hole and move it somewhere else. Well, I usually don't mess with electrical until I consult a friend of mine who's pretty good at it. But I couldn't get him on the phone. And I wanted to get it done. So I said, oh, well, no big deal. I'll look for the circuit breaker. Well, I couldn't find the circuit breaker. Oh, well, no big deal. It's just 110. I'll be real careful. At the worst, I'll get a little shock. Well, some of you know where I'm going with the word baseboard. Heater, right? Heaters aren't 110. Heaters are 220. I don't mess with 220 because 220 kills people. Now, it's not smart to go grabbing 110. But 220, there's not much room for air. But I didn't know it was 220. So I moved it. Got a little nice little arc. It was pretty. Would have scared me if I'd known it was 220. I just thought, oh well, no big deal. Then my friend called me back and said, hey, uh, what is it that you wanted? Oh, I just need to move a little heater. Heater? Robbie, that's 220. I started getting the shakes. 220? I almost had a heart attack. Do you realize I could have died? I didn't know what kind of power I was dealing with. Do you ever get tired? Do you ever run out of strength to go on? Do you ever feel like you're on your last leg? Did you know the Bible says? Now remember what did it say? It says, uh, what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? If you trust in Christ, you have access to power that would absolutely blow your fuses. 
Listen, rather than going through life feeling like I'm barely going to make it with almost no power, what God wants to do, hey guys, hang with me here, all right? This is God's illustration. You're driving that little small truck. You didn't get one of those little wimpy V6s. You got a V8, right? When you, when you touch the gas, you know it's going to do what you need. But if you need to do more, <laughs> you can crank it, right? And that thing's going to be taken off. I mean, you can just tell that thing just wants to go out from under you, right, guys? I need some grunting here. All right. <laughs> Wondering about y'all guys. You know you got what you need, but you can tell there's more there if you need it. Amen, guys? Paul says <laughs> he wants them to experience, to see God's power. Somebody said Paul is so convinced that God's power is sufficient that he accumulates words in these verses to convince them. In fact, he uses many of the words of that day. I mean, it's almost like he found every word that he could in Greek to describe power, and he throws it in this verse. He just wanted to show the comprehensive nature of the strength of God. He calls it the surpassing greatness of his power that word surpassing means to throw something beyond a mark it means to transcend so what is he saying this is great this is greatness this is power that transcends and that word power is the word that we get our word dynamite from it's the kind that matches up with or as he says is in accordance with the strength of his might I like the way some of your translations say it. His mighty power. I like that one. His strong power. You can almost hear thunder clapping, can't you? You can almost hear the mighty roar of Niagara. As Paul uses every word that he can to describe God's strength and power that he wants us to experience. If you read on, it gets even more descriptive than that. He says... Uh, It's the kind of power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, since this is in the middle of kind of a litany of of things that just keep coming out about how how powerful God is, you almost want to rush past that. Does anybody here have the power to raise anybody from the dead? That's big-time power. It's the kind of power that put Christ far above any other rulers or authorities. Now, it's hard for us to imagine this, but I think about court. Has anybody ever, you don't raise your hand, anybody been to court? I visited, okay? I, I wasn't on trial, but I was there. I'm telling you, when I was on jury one time, man, I, I figured out this is serious. I mean, there was no playing around there. They didn't joke. There wasn't a lot of smiling going on. It was order in the court. And the judge had the authority to do some pretty serious things if you didn't stay straight. That's one judge in little old Queensbury. All right, let's go to the state level or maybe the national level or, or you want to call yourself the ruler of the world. Okay, how about the universe? Jesus is far above all of those. We just can't even imagine it, can we? He is so far beyond our experience that it doesn't even do justice for us to use the words, but we're going to try. In fact, he's been given the right hand of God's kind of authority. What does that mean? He has a special place of privilege. He has the special place of authority. And it's the kind of power that puts him above the church, which he says, by the way, is pretty special. Do you know you guys are pretty special? 
The Bible says this about the church. The church is his body. The church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. That says the church is pretty special to God. But that was a side note. As special as the church is, he's the head of that. <laughs> we better not ever forget that new hope. Jesus is the head and the control and the ruler of this church. That is the kind of power source, if you have trusted in Christ, he says, that you have. Are you experiencing that kind of power? Paul wanted them to know about that. And God wants you to know that that power is for you too. As strong as 110 power is, 220 is a whole lot stronger. Well, Jesus is 2,000. No, the way it's put here, Jesus is like 2 million. 220 will kill me. Can you imagine what 2 million might be? That's the kind of power and the strength that God wants us to understand, that He wants to open our eyes to see that we have. You know, I said earlier that this wouldn't be a bad prayer for you to pray for yourself, or maybe for you to pray for somebody else. But let's talk about you. I'm telling you, this, these verses helped me so much this week. When I began to look at things from my perspective, when I began realizing, real, relying on my own resources, when I began trying to do things in my own strength, God helped me through the realization, through seeing through these verses what God has provided for me. I want to ask you this morning, do you need to stop and reflect on the truth that God is trying to show you this morning? Is God wanting to open your eyes to some things that He has for you that you're not experiencing? Maybe you need to make a commitment. Stop right here, right now. Mark it down in your planner or in your, uh, you know, uh, we call those things, Blackberry, all those kind of things. Uh, mark it down. Wednesday, beep, beep, alarm goes off. Go back and listen to the message on Sunday. Or go back and look at the verses from Sunday. Or pull out your bulletin, stick it in your briefcase, stick it on your desk, pull out your bulletin, and let God remind you to come back to this in the middle of the week. Is your hope today slipping away? And God is wanting to renew that hope. Is there something that God is calling somebody in this room to do? Maybe He's calling this church family to do, and we need to trust Him for His resources. Are you needing to quit relying on your own strength and start pulling from God Almighty's power that far surpasses anything else that you and I have ever experienced? Maybe it's somebody else that you're concerned about today. All of us can pull from this in some way today, but maybe in your heart today you'd say, you know what, Robbie, right now most pressing on my heart is there's somebody I'm trying to help right now and I can't seem to convince them of what God can do for them. My friend, can I share something with you? We need to share truth, okay? The Bible says how will people know unless we tell them. God works through His people to relay truth. We are His ambassadors to bring truth to people. But I cannot be in the business of saving people. I cannot be in the business of convincing people of that truth. I share the truth and I trust God that He promises that His truth does not go out in vain. So yes, maybe you need to share truth. But maybe you've been doing too much truth sharing. They got it. You just need to back up and start praying and asking. Maybe you just need to pray through the truth of this prayer. God, 
Would you open up their heart? They're so depressed. They're so down. Would you, would you open up their heart to see the hope that's found in you, God? Lord, this person's struggling with their finances and they can't find a job and, and they feel like they're just about to go on and they just want to give up. God, would you help them to know that you can provide if you'll trust if they'll trust in you? Father, you know this person is just, they're just weak. They're just, they're just about to go down for the count. God, I can't give. I don't have the power. I barely have enough myself to get through the day. God, just, you've got to help them. You've got to come through for them. Maybe God's calling you to pray that for somebody else. And remember that this prayer is beneficial. It only works for those who believe in Him, for those who trust in Him. So I want to ask you today, does that describe you? So many people today are trying to live the Christian life, hearing the truth, and then going out and trying to do it. I'm going to tell you right now, it won't work. The Bible says that you and I cannot live out God's plan on our own. We can't have a connection with Him, and we can't have His plan and purpose fulfilled through our lives until we start our own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Friend, today, if you have never accepted Christ, that is where it all begins. Right now, today, you can say, God, it's true. I don't have the resources. I'm not seeing it. I don't get it. I miss it so often. God, I need your help. I need you to open my eyes. I need you to show me the way. I need you to give me the strength. I need you to be my Savior. And I believe in you. I trust in you. And I invite you to come into my life and wash my sins away and walk with me the rest of my life and take me to heaven one day. Is God speaking to your heart today? Isn't it sad to see somebody you love that so much can happen in their lives if they would only see it. How it must break the heart of God that here we sit today and there is so much that He is wanting to do if we would just see it, if we would just experience it, if we would just allow Him to do it today. Friend, is it possible? It's hard for you to believe, isn't it? You're telling me my life could possibly change today? No, God is. God is telling you that if you will begin to trust in Him, you can't even begin to think or you've never even heard about that kind of thing happening, what God can do in your life. But it needs to start by you trusting Him today. Will you do that? Let's bow before the Lord. Father, I look back in my life and there are things that I have said, there are things that I've done, places that I've been, experiences that I had that I wish I had known better. Maybe I didn't know better, but I wish I had seen and understood and responded to your message, to your hope, to your resources. God, all I can do this morning is just be broken before you and say, God, hear my cry, Lord. Hear my prayer. It's your kindness today. I don't deserve for you to speak to me, God. Somebody here today may even be blowing it right now. But you have given them a glimpse of what you want to do out of your kindness. 
And that's drawing them to repentance. The kindness of God. Friend, today, don't spurn that. Don't take that for granted. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to experience the life He wants to give you. If you're not today, in the next few moments, would you say yes to Him? You can say it right there in your seat. You can come forward to pray with somebody about that. You can come down and just kneel and talk to Him yourself here. Isn't this an awesome song? It's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Your favor. That's our desire. Are you so to the end of yourself that you would say, God, you're all I need? I don't need an answer. I don't need a check in the mail. I don't need reasons. I just want you, God. Is that where you are today? If it is, you're ready.